0: Welcome to Hot Plate, the conversations you should be having about your food and drink. I'm your host Mirella Amato. Today on the Hot Plate, beer with a twist and food banks serving up more than just food. And on Curious Kitchen, a mousse gelatin hybrid carrot treat. So here we are, mm-hmm. episode three. How are you feeling, Josh? I'm feeling really great. Me episode too. Episode three. Ready to chat? Mm-hmm. So, the topic I wanted to talk about today is wellness beers. So, I'll just oh, give you a little bit yeah, of context. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Wellness beers have been around for a while, but they hit the, the radar of the community about a couple of weeks ago because a major brewery in the US, Sierra Nevada, purchased okay. a wellness beer company called Sufferfest. So when I'm talking okay. about wellness beers, yeah. I'm talking about beers that are just that are developed as recovery drinks. So they have like electrolytes or salts in them, sometimes pollen. It's kind of like if beer right. and Gatorade had a baby. So the idea okay, is Okay, so it's still
1: beery though. It's still
0: It's still a beer. It's thing. still grain based, okay. but there's the addition of these other ingredients. They also tend to be lower alcohol. Sure. Um cuz you know, after you've gone for uh, after our regular triathlons that we both do, Indeed. Uh, you know, the last thing we need is like an 8% alcohol
1: right. beer. It's like, right. it's like
0: having a glass of wine. That's right. not what you want. You want Got that it. refreshment. So they're right. lower alcohol, but um, they have all these added, you know, ingredients also to help with uh, health and re- recovery post exercise.
1: Ah, so it's an intentional post-exercise thing. Yes,
0: yeah, oh. that's why they were developed. Okay, um, they are available, widely available in bars uh, and such. Okay. Full disclosure: I haven't tasted one yet. Okay. And I always believe it. You know, you have to try Popes everything in the at mouth. least once. Sure. Every, yeah. You know, uh, it's possible that they taste great. Hmm. But for me, it's not so much the the taste that uh, that upsets me, but just the whole notion of the need for a wellness beer. Yeah. Because The fact, the existence of a wellness beer sort of implies that beer in itself is not healthy, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And multiple scientific studies have shown that, you know, after running or after exercise, if you just have one beer, it will replenish, you know, a lot of the vitamins and nutrients that you (laughs) want. It's super hydrating. (laughs) Uh, Of course, a lower alcohol beer. And so I think, you know, these wellness beers are in part a reaction to the direction craft beer has gone, which is bigger and bolder all Mm. the time. But, you know, instead of just. And perhaps
1: more niche at the same time. Yeah. Right.
0: Uh, But instead of just dialing back to, you know, a nice, refreshing Pilsner. You know, right. or a nice refreshment in bearing
1: already that doesn't need to be tampered with is what you're saying.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Beyond that, you know, I was looking at uh, the Suffer Fest website and yeah. you know, I don't want to pick on them partic- but I am going to, indeed. <laughs> you know, it's every, our
1: podcast.
0: I was on the website and what they have with each beer is, you know, the calorie count. Of course, they're all gluten-free, um, and then the carb count. So again, just exacerbating the notion that hey, beer is just full of carbs. And full of calories Uh, and full of gluten. And it's just, I'm I'm fascinated by the fact that this brewery has acquired the company. Clearly they think, you know, there's a future there, but. I'm sure sales
1: reports are motivating, you know what I mean? Sales reports of this and they're like, we want a chunk of this market share. Whether it's appropriate or not gets tossed out the window at that point, right? If
0: you take a step back and you look at foods that have like a light version, yeah. it's things like, you know, mayonnaise, uh-huh. which again, not unhealthy, yep. but has been promoted as unhealthy now yep. because, you know, people would rather eat, you know, a lower calorie. Some
1: whipped oil compound of some than and, just eggs and oil, know, right?
0: Cancer in a can. Yep. Instead of, you know, ooh, heaven forbid you should have an egg and some oil, yeah. right? <laughs> right. It's just distorting. The notion of what beer is, which is perfectly healthy, not very high in calories. Yes, there are carbs. Yes, there is gluten. Um, and perhaps of course, the problem shows with, when you drink eight. Yeah, exactly. Right?
1: That's when it becomes an issue.
0: So the Radler is the original sort of post-sport drink. Radler means bicycle. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Radlers were developed in Germany oh, for, you know, sweet. days out, picnicking or cycling around. And you just want a beer. And was it a halfy-halfy? Yeah. Half okay, juice, half, half beer. beer. Very, very 100% hydrating. 100% delicious. Yeah, absolutely.
1: When I first read this piece, I actually misunderstood and thought that it was that the supplements that were in the beer were about trying to uh, mitigate the pending hangover.
0: Oh, <laughs> there's no mitigating that.
1: Exactly. I was <laughs> like, you have to stop fighting it. But the other thing that really screamed at me was the fact that I see this with food all the time. Right. Right? It is. And and I have the same objection because I don't like the suggestion that the original is an unhealthy thing. Yes. Right. So the idea of like healthier, healthy burgers or healthy mac and cheese. I was like, hey, 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 hey. This is all a matter of understanding. Yeah. Right. There actually is. There's nothing there's nothing inherently wrong with a with a dish of mac and cheese. It's Mm -hmm. how you make it, what ingredients go in, how much of it you eat. Like there's all these other factors. Right. But what this boils down to for me is this notion that people just want a green light for deep consumption. True. Right. It, these things I feel are they give people they open the door for people to guiltlessly just crank Absolutely. it back. Right. Yeah. When the truth is that you, we can't actually do that. There are and consequences. Shouldn't. Do you know yes, what I mean? For sure. Like the notion of, of needing to binge on things makes you after won't need to step back a little bit and ask questions about what the compulsion is behind all of this. Why do you need a green light? Why do you need uh, a context which you can consume with no limits?
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. What
1: is going on?
0: It's like, remember back in the day when uh, fat-free things came out and people thought, oh, that just means I can eat a whole box and not gain any weight. Yes. Do you remember when that
1: was the yes. thing? Yes. With this, and the, the package was green. I remember thinking green light. That is, you know, there's a subconscious connection there mm-hmm. where you're like, all the bad things have been taken out. Right. Right. Or, and substituted with other things that are even more bad that we only know anyway.
0: Right. The <laughs> the, the bad things, quote unquote, being, you know, uh, oils and fats, yes. which are not bad for you, uh, no. and carbs, which are also not bad for you. And guess what? In its in place, they put a bunch of chemicals yeah, and, and sugar, sugar. <laughs> which is what actually is bad for you. <laughs> which is shocking for you. Right. I know. Ugh. Oh, man. It's too uh, much. It's
1: dangerous. It's dangerous, but I will be willing to put money down that they will do very well.
0: There's another thing at play here, though, that I did want to touch yeah, on. Yeah, tell me. Which is the trend towards functional foods. Right. So if you look at like the Ooh, trends in food yes, for a while, yes, it was yes. uh, fat free, then it became gluten free and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. And now the latest thing is, you know, let's put some turmeric in it. Let's put 100%. something and the you know, superfood an chase, antioxidant, yes, antioxidant, yes, antioxidant yes. in it, something. And yeah. so, again, this notion that beer isn't enough when it's packed with vitamins right. and minerals and, and there antioxidants. And some of that really
1: good gut stuff, too, from for a fermented and thing. If right? there's
0: yeast in there, yeah. uh, probiotics, absolutely. All that stuff. Um, but this need to like add some kind of magical ingredient, mm-hmm. like bee pollen. Do you and, see that happening then, in
1: uh, food too? Definitely, definitely. We package food much more, obviously, right? right? Because people are like, I'm buying one thing. Give me the maximum number of of benefits, right? From the three fifty that I'm going to spend on this thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, when and and it's, it's it's such a load of nonsense. It is right because we know things like really. Uh, without fat, without coconut oil or ghee or something, the absorption of turmeric not so much.
0: Really, right?
1: It needs it needs a vehicle. I right? didn't know that. It needs something, right? And there's there, the the like so they're just
0: throwing it in yeah, to be man. able to put it on and the it's, label. Yeah,
1: and uh. and I like I don't know. There's such a thing as bad dose of turmeric. Hmm. I think it's really good stuff. But but it, it's nothing is isolated. Nothing can just be extracted and then put into something else. It's like a magic right? word, precisely right. And it connects to. Uh, A carrot, right? We talk about beta carotene is the magic inside of a carrot, right? So we extract that and we put it into a capsule, Mm -hmm. not connecting to the fact that the vitamin C that's also in the carrot is what helps open the door so that your beta carotene can in fact be absorbed. And the fiber that's in the carrot also helps to digest and break that down. So really, the truth of this is eat the carrot. Forget this other nonsense. Don't inject beta carotene carotene into the beer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't inject beta carotene into the beer. (laughs) Have a beer, eat a carrot. And be much happier.
0: So by that logic, it is possible, we can't do the test right here, mm-hmm. but that by stripping everything out of that beer, the um, the, uh, the glutens right. and yes. uh, everything whatever else. the sugars
1: or whatever it is. That they have
0: eliminated any potential vehicle for absorption 100%. of what they've added in.
1: A hundred percent. right without being a scientist uh but but the if if food it's a distinct possibility if the way we've dealt with food is any indicator i will i would be willing to bet that that is what's happening
0: so there you go i feel like that's the final argument for just having a nice you know 3.5 percent alcohol best bitter after you run right let it just one
1: just one a thing in its purest form always the best
0: So, Josh, now what did you
1: bring for us today? Uh, something that I am really excited about is a piece I saw about a food bank in the U.S. Uh-huh. that is broadening its service to the community. Right. And so in addition to food, obviously, they have also created a space to train chefs. Right. Uh, right. And this is uh, they've got some kitchen space and an instructor uh, and to train chefs um employable skills, obviously, is the piece, right? But So what,
0: are they training the people who are coming in to use yes, the services? Yes, they're training
1: food bank service users, so community members, clients, however we understand those folks, who are coming in. But if they're interested in building their skills and thinking about potentially working in a kitchen somewhere, mm-hmm. this opportunity now exists for them. Uh, and they can get into the kitchen and spend a few I think it was a few weeks worth of a course uh, to build those skills. Uh, and I, like my heart leapt when I saw this, because this is exactly what the future needs to look like for us.
0: There's something really poetic about the fact that they're coming in to be fed and that right? they're being taught to feed others. Oh,
1: it's That's the, beautiful. It's really glorious. Uh, and it it speaks so much to a more accurate and holistic sense of what food security has to be for a community. Right. Right. I remember when I was working at the stop Uh, My first days, I just spent observing programs Mm -hmm. everywhere just to sort of get a feel for what was happening. And I was I was the chef in that kitchen and I worked in the food bank one day Mm -hmm. and I I prepared hampers and chatted with folks and all of that. And I realized that while income is a huge issue and it's something that urgently needs to be addressed in terms of our, our Canadians ability to feed themselves, the knowledge poverty is a huge deal because how just, prepare uh, just how a simple to cook, meal. right? Yeah, and what and where the wealth of food skills is coming from? What to do with that can of beans? This is it because you know carrots, onions, potatoes, rice. Yeah. It's cheap. Yeah, But if you don't know what to do with any of it at all, you are not, that is not available to you.
0: They said in the article that there is a real need for, I think they called it mid-level chefs. Yes. in the What is that? And why do you think that particular yeah. type of chef is currently missing? So mid-level
1: chefs, it's uh, QSR, quick serve restaurants. Okay. Right? So but this is potentially any sort of food court or, you know, a uh, fast food type scenario. But it's also like... Um, juice places, you know, and some of the more, the fresher, like, uh, Chipotle or what whatever Got it would it. be, right? That's a mid-level scenario. Uh, wh- I think that also will include um, institutional food. Right. Right. Uh, cafeterias, you know, things like that. Um, and to be honest, I'm I'm not 100% sure what the wage climate is like in the U.S. I'm more connected to what's happening here in Canada. Right. But those are not easy jobs because they don't, you don't always make a living wage. I'm sorry. The better way to understand that is that in the context of food security, when we're talking about food bank users, right, everybody is headed to uh, that. Those are the jobs that you want. Those are the jobs right. that you you will be able to lift yourself out,
0: yes, of poverty
1: with, right. Those are jobs For sure. where you can actually uh, buy some real food and not have to rely on a food bank, right. Understanding, of course, that your food budget is your first sort of expendable budget mm-hmm. after you pay your yeah. rent because you got to pay. You don't can't pay half your rent, right. So the food budget is the next big chunk, and you start massaging that.
0: And I'm assuming that at that mid-level, it's also skills that you can bring home in terms of cooking 100%. skills. 100%. Your it's own not personal just, food
1: security yeah. will increase, as well as your ability to have a job and a salary.
0: Uh, right? fantastic. And it's
1: What I love about the messaging is it's this really beautiful illustration of how there's like a ripple effect mm-hmm. of reanimating a community with good food. Right. Right. It's one thing to say, here's the food because we have to eat three times a day. And this is the sort of emergent scenario that we're in. But the other piece is, how can you build skills? And then how can you use those skills to earn a living, take care of yourself and potentially not have to walk through this door?
0: So fantastic.
1: Uh, that, to like, as a chef, I want to pour all of my heart and resources into that kind of work because it just makes so much sense. For sure. Right. And the, I think the frustration is the fact that there's one story about this happening, <laughs> right, in one town in the whole United States.
0: Not only that, but when you mentioned this, I looked around and there aren't even any articles about it. No, one, Why is right. no one making noise about this? Exactly. We both feel great about it. It's yeah. a wonderful story. Precisely. And it's doing well, I think.
1: Yep. So for all it sounds like it until the grant money runs out, okay, right, or mm-hmm. until like that's the, it's also tenuous. That community has managed to cobble together some resources for itself. God yeah. bless them, right? Who knows how long it'll last? Uh, but good for them for just figuring out. Look, we're going to try this now and see where it leads us, mm-hmm. um, and then maybe there's a way for industry to participate if they, if you know what I mean. There's this very clear way that this is now a source of great labor.
0: For sure. I mean, if the right. restaurants can commit to hiring people, that's already Precisely. a great start, but it's not even a financial investment. Exactly.
1: For them. Um, uh, but it's definitely the way forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, I think that pairing professional skills building with uh, food bank users mm-hmm. uh, is a perfect, perfect way to find an, in, an innovative approach to an unfortunately old problem.
0: Yeah, and I feel like it's the kind of thing that eventually will um, run itself, you know, because those people who are learning can then teach. and Yes, um,
1: ideally, yes. Right? Just, and then grow this, have a model that's exportable, connected, other food banks, other kitchens.
0: It's interesting because there, there are a number of other. I was in uh, London, Ontario uh, a while back, and there was a cafe that was Ooh. all, um, I think it was recovering drug addicts and they were all it was they employed only those uh, people out of a specific program. And so there does seem to be this connection with food and uh, rehabilitation into oh man, society or reintegration, I guess is what I'm looking for.
1: One hundred percent. And it
0: makes sense because you're learning to take care of yourself and you're learning to take care of other people.
1: And recovery is a lot about self-sufficiency,
0: self-sufficiency and community at the same time. You're right.
1: Uh, One lovely bit that I heard in the same vein Mm -hmm. was I was listening to a TED talk from a priest in the U.S. Okay. Who was offered up uh, grounds on their sort of monastery property for a kitchen garden.
0: Oh, beautiful. Right?
1: Which is a glorious thing on its own. But what they were intending with the garden is for it to be space for um, newly released convicts, Mm -hmm. uh, newly released prisoners to work. Yeah. Right. And cultivate, and that was so successful that a little cafe grew on site.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. But the thing that I love the most is that there was this one guy who uh, did time, was convicted uh, for uh, meth production. Right. He right. was part of a meth ring, and convicted. He cooked the meth. Mm-hmm. Right. Full of, tattooed all the things that you might think about this, mm-hmm. but in the cafe, he discovered completely yeah. transferable skills of between <laughs> meth roasting and coffee roasting. Delightful. And so he became the coffee roaster <laughs> and he, it's that delicate touch so nothing sits on the heat for yeah. too long yeah. and still toasts beautifully, right? Mm-hmm. But he is a master coffee roaster. Oh, fantastic. Uh, full transferable skills, right? Uh, but is now connected and earning money and, and has like a little blessing that goes with every pound because obviously the monastery and that connection is there. Mm-hmm. And there's like a little blessing on the pound bag of everything that he sends out there. Um, and he feels better about himself. He's found a legitimate way to use those skills. Yeah, uh, And that's just a round of applause, man. That's a win.
0: So here's what's going through my mind right now. It's yeah. sort of an ironic thought, but um, I think we're both in agreement that connecting with food and learning how to cook is like an excellent uh, thing for people yes. to learn about and, you know, they're learning it. These recovering addicts are being encouraged to do it. And um, often people who are coming out of jail, mm-hmm. you know, or, or even in jail are growing uh, gardens and things like that, you know. And meanwhile, all these business people uh, have no connection to their food. Right. <laughs> they're ordering out every five minutes. They don't yeah. know how to cook. Not at all. Uh, <laughs> they need a program. Seriously. Isn't right? that weird? It, it, the irony like a- is deep. It's a. Right? Da- it's totally. It's all I can think about totally. right now. It's not nothing at all, right? The disconnection with the food at all levels. Yep. And somehow, you know, the this the more vulnerable people in our mm-hmm. society. And um, Thinking about who is
1: and is not successful. Yeah. Right, and what that really means.
0: And they're the ones who are being afforded this uh, opportunity, or maybe are taking the time or have the time, but it's just that irony to well, me is, well, is fascinating. It,
1: it really is when you go down to the path. Or yeah. so at lunchtime, and you just see suits and takeout containers. Yeah. yeah, right. It's just styrofoam containers and people rushing around.
0: It's like you have to burn out, come out the other end, or develop like a cocaine habit. Yes, and like drop off the deep end, paths, and then, you know, go right? through jail, and then come out, and then you'll learn and realize how to have that a just good eating good food, your... <laughs> exactly, just <laughs> eating all good you food is to the do answer. To
1: me. <laughs> it's a hell of a long road, but sometimes that's how we learn. Right? Oh my God, I love it. <laughs>
0: It's time for Curious Kitchen. Curious and Josh. Curious Kitchen. <laughs> I see you've brought something in. I have. I have. I know that the angle on the Curious
1: Kitchen is usually sort of like kind of weirdo things that we have both not tried before. Unusual. And, you know, unusual sort yeah. of tastes. This one is, uh, it is definitely unusual. And it is the first time I have made this. Um, okay. Which I'm very, it's very experimental. Mm-hmm. But essentially what this it's an Indian sweet, and in Hindi it's called gajar ke halwa. Gajar ke, ke ha halwa. Halwa. Gajar is Hindi for carrots, mm-hmm. and halwa is like a sort of generic catch-all phrase for something that is made cooked on the stove into a bit of a paste, poured out, chilled, set, and sliced.
0: So This is like a uh, carrot cake.
1: No, well, there's, yeah. no there's no grain involved. Okay. There's no grain and there's um yeah, other versions like there's other uh, have sesame halwa, you know, was that okay. sort of thing. The best translation that I can give you for gajar ka halwa is carrot milk fudge.
0: Okay. Right. I like that a lot better. Okay, okay. so there's
1: is this, this is carrots cooked down with lots of milk and cardamom, which is the brown girl cinnamon. I'm trying to float Delightful. that out there. Um but cooked down substantially. Okay. Right? Over the process of about two and a half hours last night.
0: So I'm having a look. Yep. There's a sprinkle of nuts on there. It looks like pistachios. pistachios. Yeah, green. And I, I feel like it's a bit of a reddish tinge to it. It looks like it could be a brownie, but it's more of a gelatinous texture and, and
1: Reddish, yes. Or is yes. That the angle of the light. It, no, you're right. I use purple heirloom carrots. Ah, there right? you go. So what this was about was finding ways to use local ingredients to make faraway recipes. I like it. Right. Thinking about sort of diasporic connections to local eating. So these are beautiful local heirloom carrots, organic dairy um, ghee made with with lovely organic local butter and maple syrup.
0: Okay. So traditionally these would be orange.
1: Yes, it would have been proper, bright, recognizable orange carrot. Okay. I decided to remix this a little bit. I'm
0: going to take a picture of these and we'll put it on the Instagram okay. so people can see the gorgeous color. It really um, is nice so yeah, color. I'm going and, in. And do it, do
1: it do, <laughs> it, do it, do it. Ooh. It is a... The texture is a sort of curious thing, right? Yeah, I wouldn't um, it call it gelatinous
0: at all. It's no. softer.
1: And it reminds you of like a, a healthy, a good for you brownie.
0: You yeah. know, a brownie
1: that they put uh, beets or red beans in or something like that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Uh, and it's definitely, like, there's wet. Yes. Right? And it has, but there's a density to it that, is, that makes you ask some questions, I think.
0: Oh, it's sort of halfway between a, gel- a gelatin and a mousse, I would say, Oh, I like that. Yeah. The
1: dairy does that, right? Mm. The cooked-down dairy, I think, is what... Um,
0: oh, it's, There's a caramelized smell mm-hmm, to it that mm-hmm. is intense and delightful. It, uh, thank you. I'm excited that you're feeling good about it. It's not smelling like carrots, and I'm okay with that.
1: Indian sweets are a um, uh, an acquired taste.
0: I, that was my first thought, because usually I skip dessert. They're very
1: sweet mm. and intense.
0: Oh, the maple also comes through mm-hmm. loud and clear. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I feel like it's really tasty, but I feel like two bites enough it's enough it's for me. insanely rich really rich right? it's insanely rich oh but the intenseness of the caramel and the maple and the carrotiness is mm-hmm.
1: what i love right
0: and there's Ooh. something
1: there's something in here about using those good ingredients that have great flavor using you know one of the most compelling things aside from the environmental impact of organic dairy mm-hmm. is the flavor of the dairy
0: yes right it for goes sure.
1: way beyond um the other stuff, uh, you know, uh, more white sugar, commodity carrots, things will change.
0: It's interesting texturally mm-hmm. in the mouth it kind of melts, but then it leaves these little
1: Yeah. The pulp of the carrot is still in is there. That is? Yeah. It's the That's pulp of the carrot that has been cooked down so much it sort of surrendered itself.
0: And just that burnt finish. I just mm-hmm. need a really roasty coffee uh i was gonna say russian mm-hmm. imperial stout Ooh. <laughs> to to, to wash this down coffee would do the trick mm-hmm. uh, as well but i like the idea of the extra roast and also the the hop notes like an american style russian yeah. imperial stouts with a little bit of citrus i feel it would play really oh, nicely I drink that right off now. the caramelization mm. great texture but it's a really curious
1: sort of thing right
0: I'm gonna be honest; it's a little sweet for me. Yeah, I don't think I can. It's and it's great that you cut them in these tiny squares, mm-hmm. but without a drink, it might be a little much. Mm-hmm. It is super sweet, but it matches my hair, and <laughs> I love That's that. That's really all that counts. <laughs> I have a soft spot for beers that match my hair, and I think I'm gonna now develop a soft spot for <laughs> for desserts that say the same yeah, thing. Just, Amazing. Thank you. Oh, thanks for bringing this in. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Hot Plate Pod. Follow me at Birology on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and follow Joshna at Joshna Maharaj on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you to Joshna for joining us today. Hot Plate is recorded at Eggplant Picture and Sound Studios. Our audio engineer is Brad Tigwell. Original music by Dave Bell. Hot Plate is produced by Mirella Amato, that's me, and Dennis Coyne. That's a wrap.